friends, it's a Pixel Raider. It's a me, Mario. Woohoo! You're number one. Ha ha! Um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, 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 and with that, welcome everyone. This is Pixel Raider. I'm your host, Danny. I'm your host, Antonio. And I'm your other host, Alex. And this is episode seven of Pixel Raiders uh, Land Party Podcast. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what have you guys been playing lately? Well, personally, I've been still playing a lot of Diablo 3. Um, I'm still kind of mm-hmm. like on the up for that, but it may be waning a little bit. And I actually uh, picked up ARK, um, A-R-K, the survival dinosaur game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I picked uh, that up on Xbox One a little while back and Steam. Yeah, I got it on Steam. Um, and I, you know, I don't think I have played enough of the game to really be like, oh, this is good or, oh, this is bad. So far I am enjoying what I'm seeing thus far. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm only like level four or five. So I really have only put in like an hour or two into the game. Um, but from what I've seen online and from what I've seen and heard from friends, it sounds like it's going to be really, really cool and amazing. Um, there's a lot of crafting, which I'm really into. A lot of um, just like potentially time-consuming things that, but like at the end, you have like a really great reward. Like um, basically taming wild dinosaurs and then they can eventually be your mounts and then you can like get like these uh bird creatures that will fly you all around the island and it looks really really cool um very very excited about it cool uh you should talk to uh our good friends jack and steve because they run their own server and they pretty much rule and do whatever they want in the world (laughs) damn that's awesome yeah I have it on Xbox One, and it runs kind of crappy. Uh, and on my Mac, it's pretty horrendous. And I have a top-of-the-line late 2013 Retina MacBook Pro. It runs better in Windows, but it's still uh, not optimal, in my opinion. But it is you know, alpha and things like that, beta. So uh, I didn't have patience for that game. I mean, I, I would go, and I built my little hut, and then I would get killed by this scorpion and then I would revive, and then I would want to tame a raptor. And of course, I can't tame a raptor because I don't even have like goddamn armor on my feet. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I it's, would just. It's I would really just. Crazy. Yeah, I would spawn and die and spawn and die. And I'm like, but all I want to do is love dinosaurs, <laughs> and I can't because I fucking die every five minutes. Yeah, damn, that's crazy. I haven't. I haven't played that yet myself. Um, you know, I had a couple buddies on Xbox who were talking about it and it, it sounds pretty fun from everything that they were describing though uh it's just kind of one of those games where i think that the more people that you play with are having like a solid amount of people to play with i think that that helps out cool all right so alex what have you been playing um well so for like like the last few days since i was laid up in bed i beat the story mode or at least like the the story in in fallout 4 uh so that was pretty fun uh it 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 was it was pretty interesting i 
I was kind of bummed, you know, kind of like what I was telling you before the show, uh, how with the achievements that we have to unlock, because I like I wanted to unlock as many as possible uh, in one playthrough. But there's a, this definitive fork in the road where you either have to pause and save and then go back after you beat it and then like do it in a different route or just play it all the way through in order to get all the achievements unlocked. That was kind of like a little bit of a bummer for me, but the actual story was a blast and, you know, uh, I'll definitely be picking up the, uh, the expansion when it comes out for Far Harbor. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you've been playing or that was pretty much it? Um, Danny and I, we've been playing some Diablo here and there and I ran through a couple missions in Valiant Hearts and it's like a little World War One yeah, side yeah, scroller yeah. that was on games for you know games with gold. Yeah, I remember uh, that. And that was actually like super good. The soundtrack uh, I added it to my Spotify playlist because it's like very very well done. Uh, really yeah, it got a, it got a lot of good press. Yeah, no, a lot of people liked it. It's been a blast. I mean, I I don't know that I would have even picked it up or heard of it, you know, without that games with gold uh, add on. But yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun. And then just a little bit of, you know, Call of Duty here and there as well, just to kind of fill the void. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I have been playing The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. Please and tell me how that is, well, how that plays on the Wii U. As many of you know or may not know, I'm a relatively new Zelda fan uh, within the past couple of years. So I never played it on Wii U, never played it on GameCube. This is my first time. Uh, and I really like it. It looks nice. I mean, you can tell it's a 10-year-old game, but all the comparisons that I saw with the Wii version and the GameCube version online, I mean, you can tell there's definite, definite differences. Uh, the Wii U version's a uh, bit cleaned up uh, around the edges. Things are more crisp. Textures uh, here and there are definitely higher resolution. Some areas don't look much better, but overall, uh, I think the game's really nice uh it has a really i don't think it compared to the wind waker hd re-release um it's you know i see a lot of people comparing them and saying that wind waker looked nice which is pretty obvious in my opinion because i mean that game was just had a great art style that that can easily uh 10 years 10 10 years from now yeah, 10 years from now, that game can look just as gorgeous. I mean, I, I like the games like, uh, another game that comes to mind is Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Right? That was oh, like yeah. cell shaded. And yeah. they re released that in HD, and it looks just as good. Because uh, I, I really oh, feel yeah. those cell shaded and, and sprite artwork, uh, retro artwork, uh, holds up really well. But most things that are polygonal are things that go for realism. Like you look at GoldenEye, looked great when we were kids. And you look at it now, and you're like, ah, oh, it looks like ass. What, what is, is that? What is this gray blob? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, Mario 64 doesn't look so hot, but you, you shut your goddamn mouth. I love that game. <laughs> no, but anyway, right. uh, to, to bring it back in, uh, I've been playing that. I really like it. I like, what's her name, Medea? Medina? Medea? Midna? Yeah, I yeah. was way off. Uh, she's really cool. Um, I, I bought the... The physical version from uh, Best Buy, and it came with the amiibo. So I'm, I'm like an amiibo. Nice. I didn't know how I felt about Wolf Link. I thought that was kind of corny. Uh, 
because the first thing I thought of, the first thing I thought of not playing it before was um, that Sonic the Hedgehog game where he turns into a werewolf. Except obviously, <laughs> obviously, oh obviously, God. this is absolutely nowhere near as atrocious as that at all. Uh, but yeah, I really what like are you it. You're talking about Sonic Werewolf was like the best thing ever. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, I am almost. <laughs> I'm almost through the forest dungeon, so I'm almost mm-hmm. done. I guess the first dungeon. It's slow. It was. It was very slow in the beginning, like an hour or longer herding sheep and stupid stuff i was like oh i just want to get into the dungeons already but once yeah. you get there it's good yeah it's a great game i think you'll really enjoy it yeah i remember i i really really liked it when it had first come out um it's it's always going to be like hard to compare it to like ocarina of time or majora's mask or something but it definitely like holds its own in, yeah, it, it has its, its it has franchise. its own yeah it has its own style that's really nice. The lighting, I mean, they could have did more with it, but some of the lighting effects and things are really nice. Yeah. Um, I I particularly like really like the music and the different sound effects in yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, like I can like just thinking about the game, I can like distinctly hear like what the different like the like rifty type elements like what they sounded like and like what the certain like enemies sounded like and right. Um, and like those kind of things that like stand out and that are unique about the game are like what I remember it by. And I remember those elements being like really great. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, on my PSP, I've been playing some Super Mario World because I have it uh, modded with emulators. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Nintendo. I refuse to spend oh, $8 okay. for a third time on the same goddamn game. Uh, anyway, it's okay. You're safe here. For those of you who don't know, Super Nintendo games are now out on 3DS, but we'll get into that. Anyway, uh, and I've also I've also been playing some other three um, because I can't put that game down for reasons I don't know. It's charming because it's great. Yeah, it has me excited to play Earthbound, which I will buy when it comes to 3DS. So that's what I've been playing. Very cool. So, yeah, yeah. So, should we head on into the gaming news recap section? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Headlining the gaming news for the week is Uncharted 4. I could put a drum roll in. Uncharted 4 (laughs) was delayed until May 10th. I think it's only only like a two-week delay. Um but the fact that it got delayed yet again is kind of a bummer. I mean, especially only yeah. two weeks. Now, according to Sony, it's because they wanted to have a worldwide release and they wanted to make sure they had enough inventory. I don't know if I buy that. Um, but whatever, it's still it's coming yeah. out. Now, how do you guys feel about this game? I'm actually, honestly, I really am not that excited. And I've played every Uncharted game. I will definitely play it. But I'm not like clamoring to pick this title up, and I, I don't know why. I think for me that it's I know I know what is going to happen in this game already, and I know how it's going to play. So I know that I'll probably enjoy it. But is it going to surprise me? Is it going to like make me be like, oh my god, like the first Uncharted did, or even like? you know, the, the Tomb Raider reboot did, like, 
I don't know. I don't think so. It's like after after you get into like the fourth one, the fifth one, I mean, look at Assassin's Creed. Like the, mm-hmm. the charm kind of wears off a little bit, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, so, and Danny, this is kind of why I hit you up to borrow your game, just because I wanted to play through them, you know, one more time before it before they release. I'm personally super excited for it. You know, I mean, this is a franchise that uh, I was kind of really hot on from the beginning, just because it's it it reminds me of like every '80s action movie that you grow up watching. You know, like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. And it's and it's fun to kind of experience that in a in a video game platform. You know, uh, it's it's yeah, it's just fun. And and I think that having them nicely wrap it up with a bow instead of dragging it out six seven different types of you know story arcs and whatever else you know disregarding the ps vita games uh but like the (laughs) actual like games themselves you know one two three four i think that wrapping it up and putting a bow on it and saying okay we're done that's great uh and i think that that was smart of them because they could probably make a fifth one and a sixth one you know now see that's right that's what i think is going to happen i feel like nathan drake's story is going to be over but we will see some kind of other Uncharted, I feel like. I don't know yeah, what character well, it's going to be, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it'll just have to be up to Naughty Dog to say, you know, is that what we want to do with this IP, and is that something that we want to kind of run with as far as, like, uh, you know, as far as, like, a new story is concerned, or do they, or do they just want to leave it and build yeah. something else? I well, see, I think it... Go ahead. I want to see them reboot Jack and Daxter. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, I yes. played those, but uh, I hear they're pretty awesome. I mean, it's your typical like what '90s platformer collectibles, but uh, it was the, especially in the first one, uh, it was just the, the wit of and and the the sassiness of Daxter uh, that really made it for oh, me. Yeah, they they were they were their own characters, like yeah, like literally, like you could have. You could have come out with a cartoon of oh, yeah. of their stuff, and like <laughs> it, it would have hold, held its own. Like it, it was such good writing. Like it was very like catchy and like addicting. The gameplay was addicting. Like it was overall just like a great game for when it came out. If it came out now, it'd probably be like boring and corny. But that's also because we're a little older now too. But I mean, that yeah. was back that. That um, it, it's funny that you say about that too, because uh, Daxter had his own PSP game that was actually really good. A lot of people liked it, um, and same thing with uh, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, Clank had his own game, oh Secret Agent Clank. I love Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, Secret Agent Clank. He had his own PSP game, and you know that w- that went really well, and a lot of people liked it. And it's funny too because I know specifically in, I think Ratchet and Clank one or two. Um, in, I think it's one of their houses. There's a, either a painting on the wall or a TV with like a Jack and Daxter. So it's pretty cool how they both had those. You know, they were uh, uh, Naughty Dog and um, Insomniac. I think. Insom- uh, was it Insomniac? Wait. I think so. Hold on, I have their games right next to me. Let me look. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Insomniac. 
Yeah, Insomniac Games. Yeah, it, it was neat to see them have the nods back and forth to each other. But. Oh, definitely. And speaking of Ratchet and Clank, I'm like super excited for the PS4 title to come out. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm like, ugh, chomping at the bit. <laughs> that was like that was like my bread and butter when I was growing up. Like Ratchet and Clank inspire the dragon. Ugh. That was my life. Agreed. All right, I'm going to move on to topic two. Uh, and I think we should have a, an episode just of like some of our favorite maybe PlayStation titles. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. That'd be, awesome. That'd be great. Uh, so second bit of news, um, no surprise here. EA made $1.3 billion in downloadable content and in-app purchases. That's crazy. That's uh, insane. That's like, yeah. that's like the profit for a blockbuster game. Like yeah. that is so much money. Yeah. Essentially what they did is someone at EA listened to our episode about how pointless and aggravating DLC was. And they were just like, we're going to release this two weeks after that episode just to piss those guys off. <laughs> Pretty much. And then they're going to talk about it and right. then everyone will know. And then, and then we're going to shame. And then we will laugh all the way to the bank. Right. <laughs> now to be fair, Half of this number that they reported, half of this is with sports games. Which, yeah, it was like FIFA and stuff. Yeah. Right, which doesn't really matter as far as like separating them. But there was a lot of controversy that I was reading of like how like people were like, well, well, just because, you know, sports games kind of project to more casual gamers and and all this stuff, which I don't really agree with because like you've like we work with some crazy fans of like FIFA who will just annihilate me every day of the week to those games, you know, <laughs> uh, and by no means casual you know, oh, yeah. players. And put in like uh, some serious time, like playing yeah. these games and like perfecting their techniques and yeah. Right. But, but it's just interesting to think that, I mean, because, you know, EA has a huge monopoly on the majority of those sports games with, you know, MLB, there's, with MLB's the show being, you know, separate, and that's through someone else. But I mean, EA's got a huge monopoly on most of those guys, you know. Right. Next up on the Sony front, we have uh, they are shutting down PSP's native storefront on March thirty first. Now that just basically means on the PSP yourself, you won't be able to access the store. You will be able to access previously downloaded titles on the device through the store. You just won't be able to browse for anything. Uh, you'll also be able to download titles um, on the PlayStation Network on PS3 and transfer them to the PS Vita, uh, PSP. You'll be able to tra- uh, buy them on the PlayStation Store website and through the PlayStation app, and you can get them that way. Oh, uh, that's good. There's, so yes. there's still ways to get them. Um, yeah, so everyone who has a PSP, get your games now. Go download Patapon because it's literally the best game ever for PSP. Patapon. Oh, so good. Oh, they're so good. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, you jerk. You have to play it. Oh my god, it's so addicting. I so think I, I don't know if it's Colin or Greg, but one of them is like really vying for them to to re-release it on PS4 and Vita, and I agree. It would be so good. It would Colin be so and Greg, good. Colin and Greg, if you're listening, which you're not, we love you. <laughs> so much. 
so much. Uh, deep, next bit deep is down. deep deep love. Next bit of Sony news. <laughs> uh, they are have officially discontinued selling PS TV or PlayStation TV in Japan due to the fact that nobody buys the goddamn thing. And apparently, when questioned, they stopped selling inventory in North America uh, as of the tail end of last year. Um, they released at 99 bucks. It was basically a PS Vita that hooked up to your television. It was this weird thing because not all PlayStation Vita games are compatible. Only some are compatible. And the weirdest thing is it's called PlayStation TV and there's no Netflix app for it. Oh, my I don't God. Need, I, or a Hulu app. The um, worst. Yeah, I picked one up on. That's I picked why one it up. Lasted three years. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I picked one up on sale for forty bucks at Best Buy online, and I only use it pretty much just to stream my uh, remote play uh, in my home, my PS4 in the living room to the TV in the bedroom. That's it. That's all I use it for. Wow. Oh, but I mean, it is good if you want to pick one up for people uh, because it does play PS2, PS1 games on like the PlayStation Store. So I mean, if you're Say looking what? for, yeah, there's PS1 games that are on the PlayStation Store. Wow, because I've I have the PS1 games for my PS3, but I never want to like change up my setup so I play can, can play my PS3 because I've always got my PS4 hooked up. Yeah, that's um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it's a shame because it had so much potential and they basically just took a Vita, took out the screen, and were like, here you go. They didn't even change the interface. The interface is the bubble interface just blown up, and I don't want to talk about it. It's sad. Anyway, moving on. Uh, if you have a Nintendo system, uh, Nintendo released their new next wave of Nintendo Selects, which are basically... Uh, kind of like best-selling Nintendo games that sell for $19.99 each. Uh, and they've released the newest wave across the Wii, surprisingly. I don't know how they still sell those, but they do. So you can pick up the new Nintendo Selects for Wii, 3DS, and Wii U. Uh, the full list is actually on our website. Sweet. Go check it out. In other Nintendo news... Pokemon Go, the Pokemon company, had canceled a GDC presentation. There was supposed to be a half-hour presentation detailing the way that uh, players could interact with um, further Pokemon trainers and things like that, but it's been canceled. Um, Last I saw, there was no reason as to why. I did read, though, that recently there is, after, after this whole fiasco happened, there is an open beta only in Japan. Uh, but that's a good sign. No. So that, that, that's I, it's a bummer, but it's a sign that the game is progressing. So yeah, definitely. It's 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 still being worked Better on. Nothing. Yeah, it's still on the horizon, but maybe a little bit further. Oh God, thought. don't don't say horizon. <laughs> I just want to play Horizon Zero Dawn so bad. I know you do too, Colin. I know you do too, Colin. I love you, Colin. I love you too, Greg. I love both of you. They're all still here. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tag them on this in Twitter and be like, I confess my love for you. <laughs> anyway. <Multiple times. laughs> so many times. Uh, next bit of Sony news. I mean, this goes for PC too, I guess, actually. Uh, no Man's Sky finally has an like, official release date. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. It so is a f- excited. It'll be a full $60 game, which is fine by me. 
It comes out June 21st, and it will launch on PC and PS4 simultaneously. And oddly Everyone enough... Everyone rejoice. Oddly enough, the PC has a collector's edition, I believe is priced at 120 Someone wants to yeah, fact check. 120 or 129 something like that. And it comes with like a... a, a spaceship statue and some other cool things which is but the I, coolest one that i've ever seen i want it so bad but i want to get it for ps4 well that's what struck me as odd i found it so weird that sony's pushing this game so hard as a as a playstation console exclusive and they didn't just go the extra mile and have this but maybe here's my thing maybe they didn't they didn't they didn't do that because when it'll get bundled the, with the VR, yeah, that might be their thing. Boom, keep dreaming, drop the yeah. mic, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's it. Who knows? Next up is the Coleco Chameleon, which was Coleco Visions, uh, well, Coleco's newest uh, game console that was kick- supposed to be kickstarted is uh, now in limbo. No one knows if it's actually going to come out. So apparently what happened was it was shown off at the New York Toy Fair and it had a a relatively clear case because it was a prototype and it's supposed to be a custom architecture and it's going to, the system was supposed to be able to play its own proprietary cartridge based games as well as be able to play downloadable games that you would get on PlayStation or Xbox um, as well as potentially being able to play some maybe possibly Nintendo games, Super Nintendo games. Um, And uh, a lot of gamers, you know, played this and claimed that it was pretty much the internals of a a Super Nintendo Junior inside. And a couple days later, Kalika responded on their official Facebook page stating that um, they had fresh internal photos that they posted on their website on uh, their Facebook. And they were like, hey, just so you guys know, we heard some rumors that this wasn't you know, legit. And here's our pictures of all the insides for everyone to see. And what happened, but a lot of gamers, some people looked at it and they were like, yeah, that's actually a video game capture card. And they took side-by-side wow. comparison photos. Uh, which you can actually see on our website in the recap. You can click on the photo and see side by side. It's identical. Uh, and with that, Coleco swiftly took the photos off of Facebook. And that's all we know. So it seems mm. like some shady mm. business going on. Yeah. Shady, of, shady business. A lot of shade over there. Yeah. 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 I can't believe they did that. That's That's pretty crazy. But what's even more shocking is like, who caught that? That was like, you know what? That's the inside of the capture card. Like, yeah, I don't. Like, that I don't know. That that baffled me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's, who like really mods their stuff. Like, I don't know. Must have been like, dude who's in the right place at the right time, looking at the right thing. You know. Yeah, I know that. I know those transistor. I know that transistor layout and that processor chip right there. Mm-hmm. That's a GT six eight ninety. Nvidia's finest, <laughs> right? That that looks like it was between uh, probably nineteen uh, nineteen ninety eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. 
Right, um, like they had I, to I have no idea. that though. That's what's crazy. Like they had yeah, to be I, like, oh yeah, I know what all that goes to. Like, yeah, I don't know. yeah. Let me pull a photo up and show you. Yeah, there it is. Say that. Yeah, I have no idea. I really don't get it. It's crazy. So this bit of news I did not hear about. So I'm actually interested in hearing you chime in on this, Alex. So Xbox's Phil Spencer announced a potential change in the way that hardware is managed and upgraded within the console, so within Xbox One, in the months and years to come. So my take on that is you guys might finally be able to replace your hard drive. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was pretty interesting. I I'll I'll pull up the article. Uh, or or kind of, or are they or is this kind of like what Google was trying to do with that um, that phone where you could replace different components? Ooh, the modular one. Where yeah, like, or are we gonna have a modular yeah. game system? That well, would be really so, really cool. So, so there was like a lot of talk between, you know, upgrading the hardware, and he was pretty vague about it. All in all, uh, you know it. I think that the interview actually was was initially on an IGN podcast. If I, if I'm if I'm remembering the source correctly, but possibly I, podcast I unlocked. Yeah, but okay. um, but I'll have to I check that out it. then. Yeah, yeah, but but I actually read the article on Polygon because they were talking about it. But because Phil Spencer, he's been talking a lot about. Uh, blending and you know how you can kind of stream your xbox one onto your windows 10 right right right. Uh, and and so he's trying to get that universal windows platform while offering backwards compatibility uh for even 360 games and you know playable on the xbox one which you can already do but he's trying to further that library so essentially because his whole his whole argument and i'm going to paraphrase here but the whole argument was as soon as the console ships it becomes essentially locked into its time frame, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and you get maybe six, seven years out of it. Whereas what he's what he's saying is, is why don't we ship a console and then make upgrades to the console just like you would with a PC? Uh, and and that was kind of his comparison <laughs> that he kept going back to. Uh, so you keep upgrading and, and and you keep changing parts on it. Now, you know, he's you know he's saying. And he clarified, he says, we're not shipping Xbox One with a screwdriver or anything like that. Like, you won't have to necessarily take it apart. Although, I'm, like so I said... It, 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 it'll, have, it'll have expansion so like, slots. Like, like a lot of the game systems back in the day used to have, like, N64 had expansion slots. Nintendo did a lot. All of Nintendo systems had expansion slots. Um Except this time, they may actually be used because most of those weren't, or they were used for funky yeah. peripherals that usually only released in Japan. Or yeah. even with the original Xbox 360, how you could add on that like external extra drive or extra processor, whatever that additional slotty thing was. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. But and and so it was interesting because in you know I mean. I was like bouncing from review to re- or not review, but like, you know, interview to interview because he kept having to like come out and clarify because like I said, his initial talk about it was super ambiguous as far as like what he was leading into because he didn't really clarify too much. Um, but it, but you know, he kind of called out PlayStation because well, not called him out. Like he wasn't trying to like start a feud or anything, but he was just saying with PlayStation VR, it's a whole nother console essentially that you have to strap into your 
current console, you know? Uh, and so that made it sound like, well, it's not just going to be like, like the way that I have an external hard drive attached to my Xbox right now to get more storage, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just sitting on top, so it's not going to be quite like that. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes or how, you know, I mean, they're obviously working on it right now if he's willing to go out into the press and talk about it, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, like, when that kind of hits and, and how they and how they take it, especially if if you're saying that I can use my library for for years and years to, you know, for years and years to come without it being antiquated the second I buy a game off the shelf, you know, and it's locked yeah. into that console forever. Uh, that's that's a really, really cool idea. Yeah, I'm excited to see how, you know, if that really picks up uh, in terms of like the idea, how uh, other gaming companies are going to uh, compete with that idea. It kind of reminds yeah. me. It kind of reminds me of an interview I read where, um, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, Nintendo's hardware and software divisions were completely separate, uh, and not just like hardware and software, but hardware and software between home console and handhelds. So there were like four divides essentially, um, and I believe it was Iwata who uh, did some. They did some corporate restructuring, and now hardware and software divisions are one. And uh, for handheld and uh, home console, they're one. And his idea is he envisioned having one architecture, like processor architecture, uh, that would be kind of universal between handheld and home, as well as the operating system. So NX rumors. Oh, I just did a segue. Wah, wah. Yeah. So then we, we now have a rumor section. Uh, the first rumor is Beyond Good and Evil 2 is being fully funded and developed by Nintendo as an NX exclusive. This is so exciting. I'm Very like cool. super excited for this. Like the the first one was really good. Um so I'm really hoping that this like becomes a very good thing. I I had to look it up because I didn't know what the heck that game was. Um, it looks cool. I mean, it looks like it's a lot of fun. I'll have to I'll have to do a little bit more research into it, but apparently it's on Steam. It has a nine out of ten on Steam, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, the next rumor that's on here I deleted, but I guess it didn't delete. Uh, so this actually isn't a rumor. Uh, Star Fox is actually coming out now. Uh, Star Fox will be out April 22nd, and it will also be bundled with, for the $60, it'll also come with Star Fox Guard, which a couple years, like two or three years back, they demoed Project Guard, which was basically eight or 12 camera security screens. And you basically just had to try and prevent enemies from coming to your base. Uh, and that kind of folded and made its way into a separate spin-off of Star Fox. Um, now, what's kind of odd, and I, again, I don't know why Nintendo is doing this stuff, but uh, so it'll come bundled together with the physical version, but I believe they said it won't be bundled with the digital version, but you could buy it separate. But I don't know if it will be any cheaper. So, 
yeah, weird. That is weird. It's a weird way to sell a game, but I'm into it. Uh, you want to know what else is weird? Hmm. I'm going to tell you. Our main topic of the show, shit's Ooh. about to get a little weird. There's this little thing you I like it evolve. when it gets weird. Yeah, you do, you freak. There's this little thing <laughs> There's this little thing you might have all heard about called E3. It's a little underground, you know. I was like way into E3 before everybody else was like into E3, you know. Unless you're my wife before she married me. She's like, what's E3? And I said it stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo. Basically, way back in the day, it is like the... Uh, it's like the pinnacle of gaming and like publisher news and new things coming out, demo stuff. It's like if you if you make games, you're there and like you announce stuff and people go crazy. If you publish about games, you're there. It's like, the biggest convention. And not even like it's it's like the Comic-Con for games. Like it's oh, just yeah. insane. Uh, and back years ago, it used to be open to the public, and then they decided to close it off, and it since has been a press-only affair. Uh, but our topic of the show is, is E3 still really that relevant? Because this year alone, now last year, uh, Nintendo didn't do uh, anything. They had no showing at E3. They didn't have a big presentation, but they were kind of set up on the side, and they did uh, streams all day and they would have like Treehouse uh, which the Treehouse for those of you who don't know is deep inside Nintendo headquarters and it's mm. comprised of people who do a lot of localizing so they'll bring a lot of the games over from Japan and they localize them and make them kind of relevant to the existing markets so they'll take games from let's say Earthbound for example over from Japan they'll read through the whole script and they'll make changes for like our culture to make it relevant to jokes that we would get. Sometimes things get taken out. Sometimes things get put in. There's a lot of controversy about that stuff. We're not going to get into, um, (laughs) but Nintendo did their own thing and it was cool because it wasn't a lot of corporate bullshit. It was these people coming out who make the games, playing the games, talking about the games and just having fun And it was an all-day kind of affair. And I think a lot of other companies took notice uh, because they still got the word out. And, I mean, let's be honest. These setups cost millions and millions of dollars. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, um, Alex, who who do we see right now that's pulled out of uh, this E3 this year? These are big names. Yeah, really, really big names. Uh, so we've got we've got a few that have actually confirmed that they're dropping out. We've got EA off the list, uh, which is crazy. Gaming, yeah, EA is huge. I mean, that's that. I mean, that again. Back to our, you know, you know, one point. What was it? One point three. One point three billion. <laughs> yeah, one point three billion, uh, so and they shrug off E three, just in DLC. Uh, now, yeah, so that's huge. Um, we've also got Wargaming, who's responsible for World of Tanks, uh, which is a huge, hugely popular game. Uh, and a lot of, I mean, even on console, it's a hugely popular game. Uh, so they pulled out. We've got Activision Blizzard, 
which is again huge. Not it's it's not as shocking for Blizzard to drop out because they do their own BlizzCon thing, which you know they've been doing, which for, is huge, no, which, which is, is gigantic. Awesome. Yeah, uh, and and then Disney Interactive now, uh, Activision. They have said that you know they will still be paneling their newest uh, Call of Duty through Infinity Ward. Is it? Uh, you know they went on record saying that that is still going to be there, um, but I think what more and more publishers and developers are starting to realize is instead of separating the people who are paying for them to you know host these huge events why don't we just bring these events to them much like blizzard does so brilliantly with blizzcon i mean uh you know i've never been myself i've had friends who have gone though and they like they they will go back every year because oh my gosh yeah uh and that's what I'm talking about. Bring the games to the people, right? And and that's what Wargaming said too. You know, Wargaming said that you know, it's essentially, let's just go out and do something like that of our own. You know, in in the same way that PAX does in Seattle and in Boston. You know, uh, and make it more of a of a user friendly experience instead of you know having everybody watch home. You know, watch at home on online or whatever. Or, wait for press updates well that's the thing like i feel like un- with the exception of pax which we'll get into e3 is just this major corporate rambling and there's just this huge disconnect between the fans and the developers uh and it's tough to it's tough to demo some things at a big convention like that and it can be completely different when you, as as a gamer, get your hands on it and play it. Um, oh, definitely. I, I mean, I've never been to PAX. Uh, I cannot wait to go. I'm Not dying. Oh, my uh, God. It's, it's coming up. So oh, it's going to be the three of us. It's That's definitely going to be the three of us. So everyone listening, one. just wait because the three of us are going to hit up PAX and you know there's going to be some good content coming out from that. It's going to be crazy. But, I'm probably not going to sleep and it's going to be a lot of editing, <laughs> but it'll be good. It might not be good be editing amazing. depending on how tired I am, but it'll be good. But, you know, um, I, mean, I mean, even from like a, like a publisher standpoint, you know, if, because a developer's job is to make a great game and a publisher's job is to make the most money, right? Now, if, if, I was a publisher and I was like, how am I going to make the most money? Is it going to be from having someone from Polygon and someone from IGN and someone from Kotaku and someone from Pixel Raider rate our game and then say, oh, you know, here's what to expect and then have thousands of people read it? Or would it be better if I was, you know, if I were able to get that game in front of thousands of people all at the same time or have them demo it or play it in person? you know, uh, how much better of an experience would that be? And because, because then the ability to hype it comes from the people who are already playing it, not from people who are telling you what to expect, you know? Um, I think that is a way better way to, to do it long-term. Now, I think that E3 still has its place. I just think that, uh, you know, the gears are kind of shifting as far as what developers and publishers have the potential to do on their own you know i mean this is a very like self-started generation that we're in where we can kind of be like oh let's just build it you know oh it's you know it's not quite up to what we want to do i mean i mean this isn't the first time that 
E3 has gone through something like this, you know, I mean, a few years ago, you know, they were down to like 5,000 people for attendance, you know, and like a bunch of huge publishers dropped out. Um, And so, I mean, you know, this isn't like the first time that they've exactly had a lull. I think that it's just, uh, you know, and I'm sure that there's probably, you know, probably corporate things that are going on to not just, you know, get the games in the hands of the people. I'm sure that it's goes to a little bit more of a business aspect as well that we just don't have any idea on. But I think that, I think that this is a pretty cool way to, uh, you know, have a different experience like this. Yeah. uh, There's something I pulled up here. Uh, I forgot that I previewed this game. Um, So when you said about getting games in the hands of people, it instantly brought me to, uh, platforms we have now like kickstarter or indiegogo um i played this game called indivisible prototype and then i did a preview for it and it was really interesting because it's a first off the prototype was awesome uh and second of all um it was interesting because it's, it was basically a proof of concept right it's not the actual game but it's a rough idea of what the game is. And this wasn't on PC. This was on, I believe, PS4. So it's interesting because Sony, Microsoft, and I believe Nintendo now are all having these um, like open uh, platforms like Steam has where you can try these games out uh, as they're in like their alphas and beta stages and you can watch them grow. And it's interesting because the days of you working on a game and doing quality assurance and stuff are still there, but now you can do this live and get live feedback and make changes and pivot left and pivot right, whatever you need to do. Um, So it's interesting. Um, All these different avenues you have now to get these games in the hands of people. And then you have social media, you have, you have people that are huge on YouTube that have, I mean, look at PewDiePie. I don't understand what, what what people see in him i'm sorry i don't i don't see what's so great about him i don't i don't i don't i don't think he's funny but the dude's got 40 million subscribers i I don't know really funny maybe i just haven't seen videos that are funny the only reason i know what five nights at freddy's are or whatever the hell that game is called is because of him because i would watch him play and like get scared and you know like i was laughing i think that's the perfect point that like antonio's trying to make is that like why why would like a company blow like millions and millions of dollars to have like a great press conference at E3 when they can, you know, give their game or, or like promote their game through, through a YouTuber like PewDiePie and have the outreach, the same outreach, but like, if if not bigger. Yeah. And, and with a more personal way than like a, a keynote. Yeah. Or like uh, a, a PowerPoint presentation. Right. Uh, I, I was talking to uh, a friend of the show, Joe Then, who uh, was babysitting. I think it was Joe. He was babysitting some. It was Joe. He was babysitting someone, someone's daughter, and uh, she told him all about PewDiePie, and he had no idea who PewDiePie was. But this girl, like, idolized him and loved all of his stuff. And it's interesting because PewDiePie, like, I, like we said, has 40 million subscribers. Most of them are probably gamers, but a good amount of them aren't. A good amount of them don't play games, but a good amount of them, everyone finds them entertaining. 
So he's not only reaching hardcore gamers and casual gamers, he's reaching people that aren't gamers at all. And I remember reading an article of this really, really small, like one or two man indie team. I forget what the game was, but they made this little, some weird little puzzle game. And their sales were kind of shit. And PewDiePie, someone suggested that PewDiePie play this game. And he played it. And the developer's website broke. Uh, they got it back up and oh, running. Wow. But they said they had absolutely no idea what this enormous, enormous, immense, immense surge in traffic was and all these sales. And it was all attributed to one guy, PewDiePie. Which is those, insane. Those people could never afford to be at something like E3 or honestly maybe even PAX for all we know or Indicate. Like we're going to be at yeah. Indicate as well. But for me to attend was relatively cheap, like 100 bucks for three days. But I don't know what they charge for you to set up a booth. And then you have to figure yeah. travel expenses and everything like that. And, I mean, you have these people who could just digitally shoot someone a code and be like, hey, play my game. It's not even just the 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 outreach that you're getting from something like that. It's also like the content of it as well. Like I would much rather watch someone playing like an, an alpha or a beta of a game than go through like a slideshow with like a cinematic reel of what the game is going to look like. You know, I think like all, all of the course, lovely like, pre-rendered CGI trailers. Uh, yeah, Killzone Two. Anyone? Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, so open wounds. <laughs> you did it to yourself. But, that was dumb. You know, I, I, I think that we're we're very much in a time where people want to see gameplay people want to see what is going to be in their hands like after they purchase something and you know we're very much like a an immediate like instant gratification type of society right now so like watching watching a slideshow that shows me like different stuff is great if you're still in the concepting of um of a game, like if it's just starting to be developed and you're like, you want people to be excited about the idea, that makes a lot of sense. But if you're telling me that this game is going to come out within the next year, like I want a playable demo. I want something that I can get my hands on or I want to watch someone else do something in, in game. Yeah. 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 And, well, and, and I mean, I think that that, I think that Things like E3 still have their place. I mean, it's really cool to see art directors come out and show slides of how stuff is done. Like, I like that stuff is pretty neat, you know? But I don't think that it has to be on a scale of E3. And I don't think that it necessarily needs to have the cost of the publisher millions of dollars to do so. Oh, know? absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at BlizzCon, even Nintendo Direct, like those are especially BlizzCon, like that's an amazing like however long it is like three or four days and even like um i remember i picked up the virtual ticket for it one year and i still had access to so much content and like so many like video streams that i could like watch live online like i could basically like be there and experience it without having to go all the way out to california and like yeah and it like I think that what they do with BlizzCon is so so smart, especially with the virtual ticket. 
um, and like all of the, you could even get in-game items um, for for ordering, you know, virtual tickets or or real life tickets, things like that. So, like by by participating in these things, you're getting like exclusive in-game rewards and stuff like that. Like it's such a smart business model, um, and it's like very rewarding. Like it's all the content is stuff that you want to see because if you are a Blizzard fan, you basically <laughs> like all of it. Right. Um, and I, I think that, that that seems like the path that a lot of these developers are going on because like this has been a successful model thus far. Um, I, th- I think it's smart. Yeah, and uh, two other examples I can think of. Um, like, like you said, you know, it costs millions of dollars for this one event. E3. Now, granted, we definitely don't have um, a lot of behind-the-scenes knowledge as far as financing and things like that, but I would be willing to bet that you could, if you pull out of E3, take those millions of dollars it would cost you, you could at least hit up a few PAX uh, events and reach way more people, still get your message out there, and you're actually getting feedback directly from the fans who are super stoked about your game. And then the other example I could think of is like what Nintendo does, where they have their demo on the road or whatever they call it, where they take trucks and they'll load them up with games and demo kiosks, and they'll just set up shop in different cities for however many days. Mm-hmm. Or they have, or, or they usually have. Um, Nintendo has special partnerships with a lot of Best Buy stores. And they'll bring some of their stuff from E3, or what usually would be at E3, uh, to different kiosks at Best Buy. And now it'll be at, uh, last year they did that with uh, the Nintendo store. Uh, That was how I got to play Star Fox, which was really cool. Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's it's yeah, interesting, I mean, you know. It's a lot more. I think they're they're finding that there's there's much more economical ways they can spend their money and get a, a wider audience. Yeah, I was I was reading this article today on Fortune that was talking about this uh, and kind of discussing you know what it means for the industry or you know whatever. Not not really in like a you know doomsayer type of way but just kind of you know just saying how things change you know and and it was kind of mentioning companies on in the same kind of realm where like uh you know for example with ces how apple isn't in ces and 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 microsoft isn't in you know they don't do anything with ces but ces still exists and it still has its place and i think that that's a pretty great comparison you know between the two saying you know you know, yes, I, like I don't think that E three is really going anywhere. I think that it might change shape, uh, but I think that the way that they reach and the way that they push their information and everything, I think I think that's going to be a game changer. But that you know, then again, they don't necessarily need Wargaming and they don't need Activision Blizzard to be there to make a great conference. You know, it just like yeah. it's, it's just about the content that they're bringing and. And I think that as long as the content's good, I mean, I'll I'll always watch E3 and those different press conferences when they're on. Uh, yeah, me too. You know, oh, and releasing sure. stuff. Uh, it's just, it's just, you know, there's there's not one way to go about it any longer. You know, uh, 
and and you can you can get the same effect if not even a better one for cheaper uh, a lot of different other ways besides just that one path and uh and you know i don't know it'll be interesting to you know to see what happens this uh this spring or summer yeah and to the point you know we brought up before this happened a couple of years ago some big names pulled out of e3 but then they came back right so this could very well be for me the first thing that stood out with disney interactive was you may not have, for those who may not have heard, Disney uh, this year said that there will not be a Disney Infinity Four. Uh, th- one will come out eventually, but just not this year. They're not ready for it. They have a lot of stuff going on with uh, Star Wars. They're putting out content for that, and they said they want to make Disney Infinity Three better and push out content for that. So honestly, I mean, Disney makes a lot of money, yeah, but they probably looked at E three and went, "Why would we spend millions of dollars if our biggest?" Arguably their biggest IP, which is Disney Infinity, they don't have a new one to show. And maybe, yeah. you know, some of these industry people are getting all worked up over nothing, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible. And I think for as much as I've been kind of ragging on ETH, like, I'm definitely going to be like, glued to the streams of it and like drooling at everything that's going to be like happening and like very very like excited in the moment um i think that it's i think that it's smart i think that it's a really good time i just wish that there was more interactivity in it yeah don't get us wrong if anyone is listening you can get all of us on the team free passes to e3 we will go yeah, even though, for sure. even though Cal is an expensive trip, we would do. We'll it. make it work. We'll all hop in a little U-Haul and uh, right. put a, a mattress U-Haul in the would back. Be thousands of dollars. <laughs> although, although I'd, I'd probably have to bail out this year, but maybe next year. Right. I'll go. Thank you. No, Anyone I'll, out there I'll, who has I'll the power? No problem. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, like with all those press conferences when when G four was still around. Uh, rest in peace. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh. But, like, you know, I remember back in, and what was it, 2009? Yeah, so 2009? far back. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, uh, you know, a bunch of friends that I used to play Xbox with, uh, you know, and actually still do, we, we all kind of, you know, decided to meet up in California and meet each other for the first time, and it was actually on you know, during like E3 time. And so we ended up just kind of like holing up in a hotel, drinking all day long and watching E3. And it was like, because, you know, because of E3 that we all kind of got together and, you know, ended up doing all that, but it was just a blast, you know? So, I mean, like, you know, that stuff, it, you know, it's still feel very special, you know I mean? And, you know, it's, it's a fun thing to do uh, and take part in. It's just kind of, you know, like I said before, it's not the only, the only way to get something done or get something sold around here, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And I think it's still going to be like the King of the Hill press conference. Like all of the heavy hitters, you know, are going to be there at some point or another, whether or not it's this year in particular, but like, man, I'm excited for it. I'm Me excited too. every year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's getting warmer outside. E3 is around the corner. I'm going to learn about like the best games of 2018. That's right. <laughs> right. 
or what ends up happening is you like end up falling in love with the game and then it gets kicked back and kicked back and kicked back and yeah. you're like, I just want it. I just want it so bad. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the worst. But like, but if you think about it, like one of like one of my, the best moments for me from E3 a couple years ago was when No Man's Sky was like mm. the hot new thing right yeah. this is like very topical because now we have like a release date and everything and like the end is in sight and i'm like drooling yeah. at the mouth but like if i think about those amazing e3 moments like i think about kingdom hearts i think about you know when con- like the ps2 was announced and like all these other things like if i remember those amazing moments that happened at e3 like there's nothing that compares. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And, you know, I mean, it's always an event where you're kind of like glued to different websites and you're like just kind of, you know, refreshing and refreshing and refreshing, seeing if, if you know, something, you know, just drops sooner than you've, you know, heard it from a friend or something like that, you know? Yeah. Watching everyone's live blogs. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you run home after school and you're like, "Mom, get off the phone. I need the internet, okay? I need to check the E3." <laughs> I, I need to like, check now. <laughs> Scooch over. Or like you wait for <laughs> the uh you know, your gaming magazine to come out that has all the E3 coverage and you're just like waiting at the mailbox for it to come. Like I remember those days and it, they were like so exciting. Yeah. No, it's it's a blast, man. Oh, that just reminds me of like waiting for Game Informer to come in the mail, which is oh, yeah. uh, well, technically it still exists, so I mean that's fine. But uh, I just don't have a subscription anymore because don't need it. But I, now you just reminded me of uh, PlayStation Magazine and getting my demo disc every month. Oh my gosh, you yes. jerk! Oh, demo oh the demo the discs! <laughs> oh my god! That is a topic for another day. Oh, how I missed the... So next time, we'll, we'll talk about our favorite demos that we ever got in the mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be a fun one. So I think that pretty much wraps up this episode, guys. What do you think? E3, yeah. we've come to the conclusion, E3 is still relevant. It has its place. But companies can spend their money elsewhere. And yeah. driving singular forces like PewDiePie have a lot of pull in the industry. So... Yeah, it'll still be around, but uh, you know, there's yeah, just there's just us, other better places that you can spend your money as well, like packs. Give us the wow moments at E3, and then everything else. There's <laughs> other there's other probably better forums to get information out. Yep, absolutely, yeah, totally. So, with that said, uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns. Or, you know, you just want to give us some ideas for topics of the show, hit us up at podcast at pixelrator.com. Yes, please. Uh, Talk to us. Next week's episode I am particularly excited about. It's episode eight, and it is all about Epic Gaming. Mm. There will be no recap for next week, so just go to the website to read it. It's going to be about... 8-bit stuff. I don't want to spoil anything else. It'll be good. It's going to be awesome. Y'all have to tune in for sure. Until then, guys, I'm your host, Antonio. I am Danny. And I'm Alex. 
and it's been fun. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. See you later. Tune in next time for 8 Bits. One bit at a time. <laughs> One bit at a time. Okay. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>